This is the Heartland Community Church Podcast. Today, Lead Pastor Eric Parks presents part three in the series titled, Life in the Dumpster Fire. Hey, Heartland. So good to see you. So glad that so many of you are joining us online or maybe in your Heartland at Home church. It really such a great way for us in this season to get to be together. And as you know, we're right in the middle of this series, Life in the Dumpster Fire. We're gonna pick up with that, but I wanna make a challenge. I've actually been talking about this in a couple of different venues. I made this challenge for those of you that joined us in person, and I'm just calling it like the carry your Bible challenge. This here is a Bible. And what I'm challenging you to do in this season during this series is to get real acquainted with this thing, like carry it around with you, especially when you gather online. Now, even if it's just you, what I know is you probably have coffee in your hand right now. We'll put coffee in your right hand and bring your Bible in your left, because as you already know, we're going to be diving into God's Word and sort of peeling it back to help understand, like, how do you and I live when our life feels like it's a dumpster fire? Now, week one, if you go back, I encourage you, listen to the last two weeks, but really quickly, I talked about in week one this idea of joy. Like, how do we find joy that overflows in a dumpster fire? And remember, we define dumpster fire pretty simply as a complete mess. Like, when things are just messed up, which I think pretty well describes what we've been through in 2020. But how do you find joy in the midst of a dumpster fire? Because Jesus tells us in John 16, 33, that we're gonna have dumpster fires, right? Like there's gonna be trouble, that, that this is gonna happen. But he also promises in John 15, 11, that he's taught us everything in here so that you and I, that we could have joy in the midst of whatever's going on that overflows. Like what Jesus is challenging us to is to live in such a way that we don't just survive a dumpster fire, but we actually thrive in them, and we can. And so week one, we talked about joy, that we don't choose joy, but rather we choose the way of joy, and that's defined by three simple letters, T-W-G, right? Thanksgiving, worship, generosity, and, and, and this is the way of joy. When we stop to see what God's done for us, that's Thanksgiving, and then when we place him rightfully at the center of our universe instead of ourselves, that's worship. And then when we join him in giving away what we have, that's generosity. And this is the way of joy. This is what we practice. And when we practice the way of joy, we begin to bear the fruit of joy. That was week one. Now, I could tell you about week two, but instead I thought I'd just have the man himself come in. Steve, tell us a little bit about what we were talking about in week two. Week two, uh, I love this man. He's such a good guy, such a good guy. Uh, week two, we talked about the three mindsets. <laughs> I just gave it. I gave it. <laughs> just gave it. <laughs> You're like the three, what were the three mindsets? To make my joy complete. I'm sorry. And then you know Steve taught us last week. Steve, what did you teach us last week? Last week, I taught about three mindsets to make joy complete straight from Philippians chapter two. And we talked about the first mindset was the fight for joy. And the second mindset we taught on was how to enjoy the present. And the third mindset to make joy complete is to lift up alleluia, 
Um, when we are these kinds of people, we embody Philippians chapter two, and we can change adversity into opportunity no matter what dumpster fire, prison cell, or palace we find ourselves in. Hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> That's right, and, and so now, we, we, we really begin to dive into the next piece of this, and that's Philippians chapter three. So if you have your Bibles, open them up. Um, we're gonna be anchored in Philippians chapter three. And, and you know, I, 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 wanna, I wanna start with this, because I think there's a temptation to think that too often when we find ourselves in hot messes, right, which is what we've defined as a dumpster fire, I think there is a temptation when you're in the middle of it, especially if the dumpster fire is elongated for any length of time, I think all of us begin to question whether or not we're ever gonna get out of this. And, and sometimes we begin to wonder like, do, do I have a plan other than being in a hot mess for the rest of my life? Have you ever been there? Like where you feel like my destiny is literally being burned up right in front of me, that, that I don't have a purpose, that hot messes, these dumpster fires, so often make us question like, what is God really gonna do with my life? And is, can he do anything with my life? It's just a mess. Let me say this, number one. If you can hear my voice, now listen, lock in on my eyes. If you can hear my voice, you have a God-given destiny. You have a purpose, a plan that he created for you long time ago. I know this because the Bible tells us this to be true, that he created you to do a good work. Like you have a plan and you have a pur purpose. No matter how long you've been in a dumpster fire, no matter how many messes you've been a part of, you have a plan and you have a destiny. And too often I think like what hot messes do is hot messes create these, uh, these false mental ideas that I just don't have one, right? And, and I hear it all the time from lots of my friends, because they'll say things like, just, it wasn't, it wasn't, my life wasn't supposed to be like this, right? Like you get in the middle of like stuff that's just like messed up, right in the middle of the messed up. And you're like, I, I wasn't, I was supposed to get that job. I was supposed to get that girl. I was supposed to be married, to have a home. Or, or, I wasn't supposed to get divorced. I wasn't supposed to get sick or lose my job, right? I think sometimes we get into these messes, like life happens, and there can be this temptation to believe that I don't have a promised land. I, I don't have a destiny. I don't have a God-given purpose to accomplish. And let me just start by saying that's just not true. Now, while dumpster fires may make you believe that that's true, it is not true. Now, I know this to be true, that if there's ever a time that we need to hear we have a destiny and realize that we're going to have to fight for it, it is in the middle of fires, right? Dumpster fires in the middle of the messed up. Because the reality, this is what I've learned. If we're gonna be righteous men and women, we're gonna have to fight for it. If we're gonna be the right kind of spouse, we're gonna have to fight for it. If we're gonna be the right kind of parent, we're gonna have to fight for it. Look, and there's nothing more important than you becoming what God had in mind, like reaching your God-given purpose. There's nothing more important on planet Earth 
than you becoming what God had in mind when he thought you up. And I think, honestly, you becoming what God had in mind, this destiny, not letting dumpster fires thwart it, is absolutely mission critical. Lives hang in the balance. Now, the Apostle Paul knew something about dumpster fires, right? Because he's in a prison cell. He'd been in trials for two years. He finds himself not knowing what the outcome of his life's going to be, and he writes chapter three. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up to chapter three. I wanna start right at the beginning. Look down at Philippians chapter three, verse three, when he says this. He says, actually go to verse two, I love this. He goes, look out for the dogs. I love that. He goes, look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Now, what he's saying is, look out for those people who are trying to thwart what God wants to do in you, the dogs, look out for these. Now listen to what he says in verse three, for we are circumcised who worship, for we are the circumcised who worship by the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself, now listen, have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks that he has confidence in the flesh, it's me. And then the apostle Paul goes through to lay out a series of like, almost looks like boasts right at the beginning. He talks about that he was part of the tribe of Benjamin, right? He talks about the fact that he was like the one that went out and persecuted the early church. He's like, if anybody had like on paper a bunch of like successes, he's like, that was me, me. He lists them right here. And it made me think about destinies. You know, one of the things, I think there's two things that get in the way of us becoming what God had in mind. Two things. I think the Apostle Paul lays it out in chapter three. The first is actually kind of ironic in so many ways. It's actually success. You know, I think that success thwarts more destinies than really anything else. Because think about it. You work, you strive, and then you get. And then you know what we spend our time doing? Working and striving to protect. We build walls around the things that we strive so hard for, and now the focus begins to be, I've gotta keep from losing all of this stuff, right? I think so often, so many of us, we, we thwart God's given destiny because we're so afraid of what we might lose. And the Apostle Paul lays it out really clearly. He says this in verse eight. He says, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. Everything. You know, it's not just true of us as humans that too often the success, the fruit of our labors become the things that we worship and get in the way of what God wants for us and our destinies, but it also, Heartland, listen to me, it becomes true of us as a church. Now, 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 hear me out. I know that God did not bring you to this church and change your life so that we could start a country club, right? That, that, that's not what God had in mind. Like when he scooped you out of whatever it was that you were in and brought you to the saving knowledge of him. 
It wasn't so that we could sit around and protect this thing that we built. And I know that it's tempting to try to protect all that we have. It's human nature. But listen, we cannot do that, not as individuals and certainly not as a church. See, God's promise is far greater than our comfort. And church, listen, we're not done taking territory in Rockford and beyond. There's still neighbors who need to know him. There's still coworkers and students. There are literally tens of thousands of people that we have contact with whose destinies haven't been fulfilled yet in Jesus Christ, and they're relying on us to step out in Jesus and realize our purpose. That's true of you, and that's true of us. And what we can't be, what the Apostle Paul lays out is, we cannot be people who rely on successes, build walls around successes, because that, in the end, isn't what it's about. If you skip forward, the Apostle Paul hits the second thing that I think is the second derailer of destiny. You know, one of the biggest tricks that the enemy uses to get us to give up, dumpster fire or not, one is success, and the other is our past, past pain. You know, your past shouldn't define you. It doesn't have to. See, God God didn't make a mistake when he made you, which means he has a destiny for you. And we say this every single week, like we want to be a church for anybody and everybody, broken, lost, whatever. You aren't disqualified because you have a past. And yet, so many of us let our past dictate whether or not we'll fully live and be alive in Christ because we can't imagine that God would ever let somebody like me participate in something as good as what he's building. So many of us. And yet, this is what the Apostle Paul says about that. If you, if you scoot down, look at Philippians 3. We're gonna start in verse uh, 12. He says this, now, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, right? He's saying, I'm not not perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider it that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, one thing I do, listen, forgetting what lies behind. Forgetting. The power of forgetting might be one of the single most important powers of realizing our destinies. Because I think for so many of us, we we live with the past so much in front of us. Don't let the pain of your past rob you of the promise of your future. We spend as humans far too much time thinking about the past. I do it, I'm your pastor. I can tell you that in the middle of the night last night, I was woke up with some little remnants of my past, things that sometimes circle in my brain, something that I did or something that someone did to me. And we think about the past too much, and it creeps up in funny times. Now, if your past 
has been something you've wrestled with, welcome to the human race. I do it, you do it, lots of us do. In fact, you can go back to the Old Testament and in Isaiah 43, 18, it says, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past because, because I am doing a new thing. Don't get stuck there, you'll miss right here. I'm doing a new thing today. And here's what I'm learning, far too many of us have let a single moment in time steal a lifetime of potential moments in Christ. A single moment, because we can't get past that. This is why the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that you're new, you're a new creation. And then he says, the old, the past, it's gone, it's done. Successes and failures. They are the two things that Paul addressed in chapter three, and he, he sandwiches them through the main message. What do successes keep us from? And what do our past failures keep us from? We talk about it as destiny, but here's how the apostle Paul lists it. He says this, in verse 10, he says, and that I might know him, this is what it keeps us from, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. You know what keeps us from our destiny, and you know what our destiny is. It is to be in Jesus, like him, to know him, to live with him. And isn't that true? How many successful people let all that they've gained, all that they have, get in the way with a real, dynamic, life-giving relationship with Jesus? And how many of you have let your past get in the way of a life-giving relationship with Jesus? You can't see how Jesus would let somebody like you, or you can't see how you can let go of all of this stuff. And the Apostle Paul is saying, listen, listen, listen. If you're ever going to live out your destiny, let the success go. Let your past go. Your destiny is found here in Jesus. His power, power to live, it's found in him. And I thought, you know, this is such a powerful concept. I think so many of us, we forget that all of us, we were thought up by this wonderful God. And I thought about it this way. You're a seed, right? You're a seed that if you're planted in the bedrock or the ground of success, will never blossom into what you're supposed to be. And likewise, your seed that if planted in sort of the infertile soil of the past will never bloom. But when planted in Jesus, something happens to that seed. And you know, you plant a seed in right soil, you don't have to do anything. It's not like you stand over the seed and go, hey seed, why don't you become what you were made to be? Hey seed, why don't you grow up? That's not what happens. When you plant it in the right soil, seeds do what seeds were made to do. And for you, when you are planted, the apostle Paul said, when you're planted in the bedrock of who Jesus is, when you know him and you share in his suffering, something happens on the inside. You, you become, you become what God made you to be. And this is key, not just so that you can be some beautiful flower. No, 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 no. 
See, the reason why the enemy uses success in the past to get in the way of you becoming what you meant to be is because my, my friend Neil Planiga used to say it this way. He used to say that my redemption, my knowing him, and being transformed into the person he planned me to be is so that I can participate in God's redemptive work in ways I otherwise could not. See, 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 this world needs you to become what Jesus had in mind. See, because in every spot and corner of our world, in your work, in your school, there are people who are living in a dumpster fire. And there are moments when God awakens in us who we're meant to be and leads us to a spot where we speak life into someone that needs to borrow faith that's happening in us. See, isn't this how faith works, right? Isn't this how faith works? That oftentimes when I need faith most in the middle of my dumpster fire, I don't feel like I have the requisite sort of deposit levels to pull from, and I need to borrow faith from someone else. Who do I borrow from? From people who have been grounded and who are alive in Jesus. I borrow from them, and it gives me the strength in that moment to believe that maybe I can become that too. This is what the Apostle Paul talks about. If you look at verse Ephesians 3, verse 20, he says it this way. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, right? We become that beautiful flower on the other side of the seed to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. See, you becoming what God had in mind isn't so that you could be raptured up to heaven. You becoming what God had in mind is so that you can bring a little bit of that heaven down here to a world that needs it, to people that need it, to friends and coworkers that need it. And can I tell you, I could list literally five pivotal moments in my life when I was in the middle of the greatest dumpster fire, like the biggest mess, and God brought along someone who was rooted in Jesus to speak just enough life to me to believe that maybe in Jesus I could become some of that too. And maybe I too had a purpose and a destiny in spite of the mess I saw around me. Heartland, Heartland, we live in a world who need us to participate in his redemptive work to bring what is going on up there down here. And he wants you to do it. This is why your destiny matters. And it's why you cannot let success or your past get in the way of what God wants to do in you and through you. Let's pray. God, for all my friends, I pray that you would give us courage in this season to move past the success of life, to let go of our painful past in order to be grounded in you so that 
we could participate in your redemptive work in ways that we otherwise couldn't. That's your A plan, to bring all men to you and to use us in that process. Help us know it and believe it and receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Eric Parks with part three of Life in the Dumpster Fire. You can experience the service this message came from by going to heartland.cc and clicking on the watch page or go to our YouTube channel at Heartland CC Rockford. You can also watch it on the Heartland CC app. Thanks for listening.